You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. Hey, Ryan. It is holiday week here uh, as we're recording. I'm excited. Um, it's cold. Yeah. If anybody's watching <laughs> the video of this, Ryan has his nice holiday beanie on. I'm in a hoodie all trying to get warmed up. I also sound like I have a cold because I have for three weeks. So we're we're in the thick of it here with holidays. But I know there's an interesting topic you wanted to chat about today around startups and driving traffic. But it, a lot of our days uh, between the two of us are spent talking about referrals and two referrals, right? I mean, that's we send a lot, a lot of business to each other and a lot of other partners in the e-commerce space. And it really seems like there's been more and more small businesses needing help. And I, I assume that a lot of these have started because during the pandemic, a lot of people decided to start side hustles and they turned into businesses. And also money was free to start a business basically for mm-hmm. quite some time. And I think a lot of people are starting to have challenges, right? And I, I'm glad that a lot of the partners think of you and I for these conversations, but quite often they just aren't able to afford us. And that's not us or me really saying we have an ego about this. I'm just saying like they're not in the financial position where it makes sense to be spending money to drive traffic or optimize, or they need to find other ways to do that. So I'd like Mm -hmm. to hear how you're guiding new businesses because for us at The Good, I've I've had to, you know, we invented a product that was a lower price point and a scaled down service for SMBs and companies just starting out. It's been pretty popular, but you know, even for for the good driving traffic, it's like, hey, if I'm going to put a handful of thousands of dollars to this a month, is that going to give us a return? Or do we need to just say, hey, we're going to dump tens of thousands to this a month to really get a return? I know the traffic space is constantly evolving. And I'm sure there's a lot of things I don't know. So I'm hoping you'll educate me. Let's just start with there's so many places to get traffic. How do you help a startup filter that list for potential traffic drivers? It's rough. I mean, a lot of my conversations are not uh, the happy rainbows and unicorn mm-hmm. conversations around startups and where how they need to grow. I'm glad it's okay. not just me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've done it myself. I've seen it work and it's, it's, a, it's a slog and it's not easy. And so a lot of times I have to set those expectations initially. Like just because we know how to drive traffic doesn't mean it's going to you know work the same way for your brand mm-hmm. or it's going to be spend a thousand on Google and print a hundred thousand. It just generally doesn't work that way. So I usually have to start with, all right, your business uh, that you're starting up or in now, is it a, a new product or vertical that hasn't really existed before? Mm-hmm. Or are you a new competitor in an existing space? Because those two things will really dictate you know, how you're going to be driving the traffic and some of your even pricing strategies to a degree across different platforms. Does that help if there's a competitor out there, you can look at how they're driving traffic and and that would inform your plan or, you know, like our team prefers not to do competitive analysis right off the bat because it can skew the data, the view of the data, right? Uh What's your point of view on that? Well, I think it's an easier process generally mm-hmm. if you're entering an existing marketplace with an, with an obvious advantage, even just visually or pricing-wise. If you're creating a product that's never existed before, there's a lot more things you could or should be doing, and you really have to get laser-focused on how you're going to do that. And f- for somebody that's been able to create a product that's never existed or and create searches that have never done, Often their brain is all over the place mm-hmm. and getting them to focus becomes difficult. Yeah. But it's also difficult to see 
If nobody is searching for your product, there's no demand to capture. So 100% of what you're doing is creating demand. And when you're creating demand, your returns are terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're not going to go create demand for something that nobody's thought of before and be like, yeah, the, the worst, the worst place to educate is in an ad, right? Like you don't want to educate somebody that you exist in an ad. I mean, I I get brand awareness is out there, but Mm -hmm. if you're trying to educate somebody that you can solve their problem and you're doing that through an ad and you're also trying to generate pain in that ad, you're asking a lot from something that they're going to spend a second or maybe two looking at. Exactly. So there's two buckets we'll talk through today. And so I guess if you're creating a new product that's never existed or there's not a lot of people searching a search engine to for that pain point mm-hmm. or for that problem, you've got to find a way to get people's attention. And that becomes more old school. I call it old school because maybe through Mad Men where you're like articles or PR things become more important where mm-hmm. you're actually getting press out there trying to create this problem that maybe people don't know they have. And so it's it's a much different thing that I personally don't have a lot of experience in from driving traffic. So you're going to have to find a company that can create an ecosystem or a branding. And those Mm -hmm. generally are not cheap, by the way. This is where you can do some things though with influencers, right? So, you know, we've had a brand that launched with Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. And it was one where they were somewhat in this space. It's a company called uh, Summer Fridays, where Mm -hmm. they created a cream that you put on uh, when you're flying because when you get off the plane and everybody's taking your picture, when you step down that uh, little stairway (laughs) off your private jet, you don't want to look like you're tired. Yeah. And you're, it's, evidently, it's very important for, for people doing this. But it's like nobody had thought about the fact that they would need to put on some type of cream while they're flying. Mm. Like, I've, it's never been something I've done. My wife, who has a, a, a lot, I'll say, I won't say a disgusting amount, but a lot of creams in her, in her drawers in the bathroom. And she does have she does a have a lot of kids to handle on a daily basis. <laughs> she does. So I, under, I can understand this. Uh, yeah, there's there's stress relief cream. There's all kinds <laughs> of great things. But so essentially, like face cream was not an interesting uh, new product, right? Mm-hmm. There's face creams all over the place. But a face cream specifically for flights, you were creating that demand because nobody was searching Google airplane face cream because that wasn't something that people yeah. worried about at that point before they launched. So being able to launch with Kim Kardashian saying, and because it was her friend that started it, so it was an easy entree into that. Obviously, that's a good starting off point to create some demand. Right. Yeah, so an influencer that you can leverage. And at that point, it was years ago, there wasn't anything like dark posting on Facebook or Instagram. Mm. But if it happened now, I would say, great, you have a relationship with an influencer that's going to put you out there initially. Most influencers are not going to post a lot of times around this to really build that into their followers. Right. Because on social media, if you post ballpark numbers, 10% of your followers are going to see the post. And you've got 90% out there that didn't even see the organic post. So mm-hmm. being able to go behind the scenes and say, all right, I'm going to connect. I'm going to dark post or whitelist, depending on the vernacular you're using. Uh, but you're using your money as the brand to boost the post to the followers of that influencer and using that to create lookalike audience okay. as well based on the success you're seeing. For new verticals, new products, that have, that's probably the only way online I would be spending money directly in a platform. And I guess you have to cover your brand searches on Google to actually get the search volume of it. So, What kind of budget would they need to put behind that? Do you think? Some of it probably comes down to the size of your influencer. Okay. I mean, if you've got an influencer that's got 10,000 followers, 
you probably can't spend fifty thousand dollars to push a, a f- something in front of their followers. You, they would just probably hate you at the end of the yeah. day. Um, you're probably going to spend a couple hundred bucks to to push that post to your influencers uh, followers. Okay. And then you've got to spend a lot more time, likely, to find more influencers to help push it. Got it. Because your mm-hmm. initial one of ten thousand followers is probably not going to move the needle massively for your brand. Right. Right. I also challenge a lot of online brands going through that process that you are likely going to need some retailers. Uh, Depending on your vertical, you know, in the beauty space, it would be very difficult to launch a beauty brand in a new space. I don't even know if that exists in beauty uh, much anymore, but I wouldn't have thought about airplane face creams. Right. (laughs) So there's people smarter than me coming up with products. But in the beauty space, retail is extremely important. Like without retail presence in like an Ulta or Sephora or even small local boutique beauty mm-hmm. stores, it, it, there's a lot of trial. Like people want to smell it. You know, if it's got a scent that you just don't like, that's a risk you're taking online. So depending on your price point, is it risk enough? Like, you know, if you're over $50 in the face cream space, there's going to be a barrier to entry on that target, yeah. that, that first purchase. If you're at 15, 20 bucks, there may be much less. Like if it smells bad, I throw it away and don't worry about it because it was 15 or 20 bucks. But retail space is a tough one. If you don't have a relationship with a distributor that's going to get you or you have access to a Sephora buyer mm-hmm. or Nordstrom buyer, that's tough. So you'll have to look at something like a fair mm. can be a good one. Uh, I really a big advocate of fair for small businesses that are trying to get into retail footprints. We've used it, Joyful Dirt, and I think it's a great mm. platform. Uh, there's a few other ones like that that, Getting hands in front of people is great. And the thing I like about retail as well, it's profitable marketing. Yeah. Like I see retail as marketing. Like you're getting something in front of people. Like at the end of the day, as a startup, you're not going to make, for most companies out there, you're not going to make your millions of dollars on on the retail side of it. Yeah, the volume's not there. Yeah, but hey, if, if I'm selling to you at wholesale, I, I hope that's profitable <laughs> as the brand. And so you're making money, but you're getting it into the hands of people. Right. Um, and that's where FAIR makes it easier because you don't have to do collections as a small brand because FAIR guarantees that you're going to get paid. Okay. And there's also, I think Shopify has one now, has a marketplace now that you can go to that does um, allows online brands to just say, hey, I want to add this product to my store. And it almost drop ships it more or less from you. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's a new platform they came out with last year. So I don't know how popular it is yet, but there are a lot of brands on there that I've seen. I just don't know how much it's getting used from retailers. Yeah, Shopify is doing a really good job at helping small startup businesses. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'll give a lot of credit to them and their. Fo- I mean, they've had a massive focus on the small business side of. I mean, it is something like eighty-five percent of their revenue. So, is, is it is? I Shopify. mean, they do a. The process. I mean, they, it's just an easy button for startup businesses. Yeah. I think it's a a great one. And in fact. Recently, big commerce took a big move in the last week to basically move out of that space and, and concede mm-hmm. a lot of it, saying, yeah. hey, Shopify, you take the small ones. We're going to move upstream a little more, yeah. which I think was probably a good move, but it, it did hurt some people at big commerce. So I have a lot of uh, empathy for that. Yeah. But speaking of Shopify, I was going to bring that up a little later, but Shopify has another program that I think is really cool. It's called Collab. Mm. If anybody, any of your clients brought up Collab. Mm-hmm. Okay. That Shopify bought a company, I think called Dovetail, a couple of years ago. And essentially, what they're creating inside Shopify on the back end is a uh, affiliate program, mm-hmm. and it's going to be free. Uh, they have no plans, at least at this point, to monetize it, which I think is amazing. 
So they're really investing in helping influencers connect to brands and create an affiliate program. It's not fully built out yet. So as of the time you hear Mm -hmm. this, Collab is not its final stages, but it's still got some really cool things. Um, I know that in Q1, they're going to finalize the gifting within Shopify. So if you've got an influencer that wants to come in and get a product, you just get to use your Shopify inventory and send it to them, or you can easily give out, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to give you $100 of products, mm-hmm. go pick what you want, and then you'll be able to put that out on, on there. And here's the rev share and all that stuff. As of now, the I believe the contracts are done outside of collab with the influencer, but you'll be able to do that eventually within the platform. Wow, okay. And so influencer discovery through collab, if you're on Shopify, I think is going to be great. And you should for sure look at that as a startup, regardless of if you are in the new vertical, no demand yet for your product or problem you're solving uh, versus I'm a new product in an existing mm-hmm. group of businesses that have the same type of product. I think Collab is going to be a massive help for startups. I would imagine. Finding good traffic, especially free, which most startups are going to like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Who doesn't? But you do have to probably get a little more aggressive than you're comfortable with to start up too, to, to generate some of those eyeballs. That's a that's a great way to drive traffic and create demand. You've talked about influencers. Noticeably absent is social in terms of direct posting on social, right? Or ads. I didn't hear anything about Google ads. What, you know, what are the best ways to create demand? Like what, what else should people be thinking about? Well, just have, I mean, you have to have social profiles as a startup, mm-hmm. just to kind of prove your validity that I am a real business. Like right. have your contact info in there, be posting semi-regularly on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok is, yes, you probably should have a profile there and be doing something. TikTok, I always see swings around like the, the US government's going to like kick them out and some states don't like them, yeah. but so far it's been popular enough that I don't think anybody wants to take that step. But it is a little more complicated or difficult to get regular content on TikTok as a, as a brand because it's video. Right. And it's not that video is difficult, but if you're the brand owner and you don't want to be the visible presence of that, you've almost got to have a human on your team that's willing to be that video presence to draw those people in. Yeah, you can't just create a generic video that you're also going to upload to to all these other places. You really need to focus on TikTok style Mm -hmm. content, right? And so that's where I think a lot of people struggle is the ads I've seen on there that have been horrible have been, okay, they clearly, this is not a TikTok ad. Like it's not native for the platform. They took an ad they run elsewhere on YouTube, et cetera, and they just put it over on on TikTok. And it's like, that doesn't work because in the middle of my feed, it just stands out as like, oh, this is horrible compared to everything Uh else I'm looking at. Yeah, and I think I brought up before some of the brands that have seen success. And I still go back to one of the more successful ones we've seen at Logical Position Mm -hmm. has been the USB blender, Blendjet. Okay. And they invested in content very early on. And so they went through their learnings when it was a smaller platform, which helped. Mm -hmm. But they they landed on a strategy that is extremely simple. And they, they initially were one of the first USB blenders. So they were, they were in this space of creating demand that didn't exist because I didn't know that I needed to be able to plug a blender into my computer at work. Like I was just something I'd never thought of. Yeah. So you're creating this USB blender that nobody searched before. Their strategy was an attractive woman in very bright sports bras kind of matching the blender and, and or the fruit mm-hmm. going into it, kind of being like, oh, there's an attractive woman that's very fit and healthy and she's blending fruit anywhere she goes. Yeah. What a deal. 
so they they kept going on it and they've got a couple hundred thousand followers on tiktok mm-hmm. now it became very easy for them to generate revenue they've spent some money on tiktok and it, there was some revenue not profitable revenue from it that i've seen it's just there to get eyeballs and, and continue to build the brand right but when you're starting up it's likely you don't have a budget to be able to spend ten thousand dollars to generate five thousand in revenue most startups aren't anyway and even if you have the money investors don't get excited about that and so that's where you generally are doing more of the brand awareness Mm -hmm. how do we get people aware of it without lighting money on fire to a degree you're listening to drive and convert a podcast focused on e-commerce growth your hosts are john mcdonald founder of the good conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, a digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you. I always tell startups that come to me and say, you know what, like before you spend any time optimizing, focus on driving some traffic. And they're like, well, I don't have a lot of money to drive traffic. I want to make sure the money I spend is effective. What's your take on that? Like, what do you, what do you feel? Because yeah, obviously you need a site that's going to be able to facilitate a transaction, but I'm, I'm of a belief that don't optimize your site or, you know, do the basics, right? But don't really focus on on optimizing your site until you've spent money driving traffic because it's just not going to get you the return on your investment. What's your thought on that? Fully agree with that. You know, and, and I would tell most startups, just go with a Shopify template. Like mm-hmm. don't spend a lot of money on it. It's going to work conversion-wise yeah. from the basic standpoint. Like, And make sure that you're not because you have the option to create an account before you check out mm-hmm. on Shopify. Don't do that. Yeah. Just be like, make it as simple as possible to check out. Don't spend a bunch of time or money trying to come up with a color palette and branding mm-hmm. because it's not that important at the end of the day. White backgrounds will work just fine. Right. And it's probably what John would tell you after you pay him a bunch of money long-term anyway. Like, why do you have this you know, purple background? It's just distracting Yeah, people. If you're trying to be fancy, yeah. just don't. <laughs> It's not going to work. <laughs> You're in startup at this point. Just make it simple and easy to check out. Yep. And Shopify will generally out of the box take care of that for you. Great. Once you hit a million dollars, then you start getting more complicated and, and look at other platforms potentially and get more of that uh, conversion rate optimization done. So yes, just make it simple on the platform. You want to drive some traffic and understand that if you are focusing on top of funnel awareness traffic, the conversion rate's going to be bad. Mm. Like I, I talked to a startup uh, a couple of days ago that, well, startup online, they have an existing brand. They've done a lot of manufacturing. They were very excited about their 4% conversion rate. So they're like AOV, conversion rate, and traffic. I'm lacking the traffic. So to send more traffic and everything else will take care of it. I'm like, incorrect. <laughs> because mm. as you start driving traffic, right now you're capturing with no marketing, people that look for you and know you already. Okay. That repeat business. So conversion rates are higher. But I said, as you start spending money and driving traffic on, on non-brand terms, people looking for your product, but don't know if they're buying it from you, conversion rates go down. Not because the site's not working well, not because the conversion process is complicated. It's because they don't know you yet and yeah. they're not willing to give you the money uh, until they've tested you or seen you elsewhere and you've built the brand around it. So just sending traffic, don't expect your 4% conversion rate to continue off into infinity. Like as you fill that top of funnel, 
conversion rates go down as you move up the funnel mm-hmm. away from people that have your brand. So right. that's a fallacy of a lot of startups just assuming like, oh, here's my conversion rate. I just need more traffic. No, not going to work that way. Um, and so the, the, the strategies will be a little bit different, though, if you are breaking into a market that already ex- has existing demand. Okay. This is where a lot of times I'll do a screen share with a startup and we'll look at Google. For example, I just had this conversation with a wine subscription company. Mm. And they thought they had something just amazing and, and unique. And I'm like, okay, I like wine. I have a wine business, so I understand it a lot. We work with a lot of winemakers and wine wine uh, brands that mm-hmm. do subscriptions as well. So conceptually, a lot of knowledge. It's like, okay, great. You want to break into the uh, Big Red's Cabernet subscription world. Let's do some searches and see you know, how people are going to find you. And so we did it. We did a search on, uh, we knew his price points mm-hmm. uh, in, on the site. There's a lot of competition with people looking for wine subscription, red wine subscription, and the price points are lower in Google Shopping. So mm. we have like uh, the Wall Street Journal has one. There's countless subscription wine clubs at this mm-hmm. point. And when you're coming in at a higher price point because you're, he was giving better wine. And I knew the wines he was giving away. I was like, that's a, that's a good value. Yeah. <laughs> like you've got some good stuff because he's able to buy it a different way than I can. So he gets really good pricing. I'll take him. Uh, I said, but yeah, <laughs> easy. And so he started to see like Google shopping is not going to be a way to get traffic. Mm-hmm. There's demand, but Google shopping is price sensitive and you have one, op- they had two options. Whereas these other existing subscription companies had multiple options get a bottle to test, a really low barrier to entry on the first order. Lifetime value can be very good though in mm-hmm. the subscription business. But then I, I looked at, okay, look at the top rankings organically. You're not going to be able to SEO your way to the top very quickly. It's going to be expensive to do that. And so Google is not going to be a great way to capture demand on a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the subscription space generally, you lose money on the first couple orders because you're buying the customer and you've got to have a really solid flow for lifetime value to bring them back into the brand because your competitors are doing the same thing. Right. And then I actually, I don't know if you've heard of Wink, yeah. but they are a massive wine subscription company. Well, I think they, didn't they just go out of business or? They just went bankrupt. Yeah. And they had like hundreds of millions. Like it was, they had done a lot of raising money Yeah. and they were in a subscription space. So like as an investor, you'd be like, heck yeah, they've got this AI that's going to generate mm-hmm. like, once we see what people like and they tell us they like it, then we go create a brand around that, get into a retail store. I mean, they had a whole business plan that was really cool, detailed, yep. got a lot of really smart people to invest. Yeah, and for those who don't know, you they basically sent you a tasting kit and then you said what, what you liked out of that kit. And then they would start sending you lines that matched your profile, right? That was my yep. understanding of Wink. Okay. Yeah. And then they would go say, hey, there's a lot of people that like this particular version of a Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. It's got a very unique flavor profile, whatever it happened to be. Like, let's go build that brand, get it into retail uh, behind the scenes, and okay. it would be great. I mean, they had R&D. I mean, it was hmm. great model, and a lot of people believed in it. And they just, it, de- driving that demand, capturing it, building that lifetime value, it's a lot of people, what we, you learn through those, the wine side of business is it is a, a lot of times it's an impulse buy. Mm. Like you're going to the store or you're in your shopping cart online buying your your meal. Uh, you know, I we pick up almost our groceries now. I don't even go to the stores. Yeah. But it's an impulse. Like, great, I need wine to go with that. Let's pick up this bottle. Um, I'm a little unique in that I have a lot of wine already, so I don't need to buy at the store. Yeah. The, the, but the, most people, that's a, impulse. I have that same problem. It's not a, it's less of an impulse and more of a, man, we got to drink something because we got more wine coming. <laughs> yeah. So I need to go get a meal to match my <laughs> wine I have to drink before it goes bad. 
uh, we're unique in that. So most people buy wine as they're walking through the store, like, oh, yeah, I need a bottle of wine for the night, or I'm yep. going to this party, let me get a bottle of wine. They're not planning ahead and, and have a bunch of bottles sitting at the house to use whenever. And, and then the most wine subscriptions are very short. Mm-hmm. And so as you're looking at your starting up and you want to get in the subscription space, like most brands I talk to, I don't care what you're selling, they want to look at subscriptions for lifetime value. And so you've got to think about it. And I did this at Joyful Dirt. We, we do it. Like subscriptions are great, but what we don't know is what the usage is going to be. Some people might buy it for one plant and they're not going to need a shaker for another year. Some people have 20 plants and they're going to use a shaker every month mm-hmm. and they might not know until they get the product. So these people that are getting your product and are going to rebuy it, you have, you have to create a plan for that. Mm-hmm. But capturing existing demand requires that conversation and plan for lifetime value. And a lot of businesses, you know, outside of the wine subscription space, haven't really thought through what's that first purchase going to be? Mm -hmm. And then how am I going to get them to make subsequent purchases? Because that first purchase capturing demand on Google likely is not going to generate profit. Hopefully it's a break even, but as an existing brand, it's going to be difficult or sorry, as a new brand Mm -hmm. into that space, it's going to be difficult to build profit on that. And so Joyful Dirt can be a great example. Like we had five or so SKUs entering the market and we're competing with a miracle Grow that had, I don't even know how many, probably 50 plus SKUs and everything. So if Mm -hmm. somebody's looking for plant food as a general search term on Google, there's a lot of demand, a lot of existing things. Use Google Trends to see that. They could convert because I could be looking for plant food, but uh, I don't know if I want organic plant food. I don't know if I want outdoor plant food. I don't know if, if I might need shrub. I just said plant because it's a plant. Yeah. Miracle Grow had a product for that. We did not. And okay. so our conversion rate was going to be generally going to be lower than some of the bigger, more established brands. Plus, you had Home Depot competing. Plus, you had Amazon competing that have massive trust already. I know if I buy from Amazon and I don't like it, I can return it, even if I've used some of it. So you have to understand that game. And that's where you start having conversations around marketplaces. Do you need to be on marketplaces as a demand? Like, where can we be where there's less competition? Walmart, Amazon, uh, younger brands can't generally get on Target.com. Mm-hmm. But if you have the ability as an ex- you know build up to that or you know people at Target that can get you there, do it. So it's, it's understanding the lifetime value, knowing you're going to lose money on that first order. And new brands hate to hear that. Yeah. What they're hoping to hear from me is, oh my gosh, I know exactly how to do this. You're going to spend $1,000 and I'm going to spit out $5,000 and your investor is going to be so happy. You're just going to scale it. You're going to spend 100 grand to make 500 grand in two months. Well, and I think, unfortunately, there's enough people selling that, if you will, on the internet that it really becomes a problem, right? There's enough people who say, I'll manage your ads for several hundred dollars a month and you'll be just fine. And, you know, I can guarantee a return or, you know, I hear that kind of um, nonsense all the time, and and it's oh, interesting. Yeah. It's I think that as a startup, unless you have done this previously, right? Meaning you have experience in the industry, it is so easy to get taken advantage of around driving traffic because you you know a lot of it's self serve. So people try to do it themselves, but I think the 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 kind of dark underbelly of Facebook for years was that small businesses were fueling it because they would overspend because they didn't know what they were doing. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the money that was being spent on ads on Facebook were people who didn't know how to use it and were, but wanted to drive traffic and they would just overspend or spend in a way that is not going to give them a return on ad spend. So I, I I find that interesting and and it is also something to be cautious about. You know, I, I think, what I'm hearing from you is there's a lot to consider here and it still makes sense to work with a professional if you can validate that they are legit, right? 
but mm-hmm. it still makes sense as a startup to pay somebody to manage your ads for you. Just understand you need to have reasonable expectations about what you're going to get back. Is that is that fair? Yes. And if you're talking to an agency uh, as a startup, mm-hmm. talk to another one because you want to get two people's point of views because mm-hmm. they're probably going to be slightly different. And if all they do is tell you about how awesome you are and how amazing it's going to be and how it's going to be so easy to build this business, mm-hmm. that would throw up red flags for me. Like there's, it's not easy. Yeah. And anybody that tells you it's going to be hasn't done this before. Right. <laughs> um, like of most, I would say 95% plus the startups I talk to, I t- don't take any money from them. I'm yeah. like, you're not going to pay us to do anything because mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense yet. Because what I can do from a marketing standpoint is is not what you need at this point. Like you're going to lose money and that's mm-hmm. not where you are from a financial standpoint yet. Yeah. Um, that, that wine company was like, yeah, I want to spend about a thousand a month. I'm like, you're not, not going to do it with me. Right. You can do some other things. And, and one thing I, I hadn't touched on yet is f- email. Mm. Email can be a very good way to launch, but most startups don't have email lists. Yep. And so finding an opportunity to partner almost in an affiliate type space mm-hmm. to say, hey, I, I want to find a company that has my target market and has we don't compete yep. and there's a good cross-sell opportunity. So that wine business, for example, he had a massive uh, resume in the restaurant world. Mm. And he currently was working with a restaurant that had a large following in Southern California. Yep. I was like, what I would do if I were you is I would go to the executives of that, of that restaurant and uh, restaurant group and say, look, I want to compliment what you're doing. I want to give an exclusive deal to your customers to be able to get a it, just a stupid deal that they mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to say no to. Right. Like, I'm going to give them wine like at cost, essentially, mm-hmm. to build this up, get some reviews, and be able to get them in my loyalty program and email program to, with this brand and make you look really good as a restaurant saying, hey, try some of the wines you've had at the restaurant, but get it a great deal to drink at home right. when you're not at the restaurant. Great idea. And you know, people that are cooking, for example, mm-hmm. may have great email lists around that. So an influencer or a blogger yeah. in the cooking space or even people may be a great travel interview. who likes to go to Napa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you find you find people who are marketing trips to Napa and get their list and send it to them, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of angles to be thinking about there, and that that partnership or affiliate can can work extremely well, and it's free, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're just giving away revenue when they sell something. Yep, is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think thinking outside the box on like how what else do my target consumers do or want or use that I can reach out and make that partner look really good and even send you know i would if i was going to be in the wine space and send and ask for an email i'd be like i'm going to give you uh, a subscription for free for mm-hmm. doing this personally yeah. and then your followers are going to get this amazing deal that you're going to look awesome yeah. because of yeah that's awesome yeah I, this is that's i think that's the best way to create demand right now out of out of everything i've heard from you so mm-hmm. that's great it's just it's not going to be easy to do because mm-hmm. you've got to do some of the grunt work to find those and you're going to have to you know probably approach 50 to 100 potential partners for that email list or influencers to get something. Yep. And so it's a time money conversation. You could hire somebody to go do that for you or most likely you're going to have to take your time to do it. Yep. It's a side hustle. I allocate that time to every day I'm going to spend an hour doing this this and this to try to get this brand off the ground because there's not an easy button by going to Ryan or John to increase your conversion rates or increase your traffic, that's just going to work across the board. It's likely not. Likely not. <laughs> Don't pay us in your startup world. Well, uh, but I think, you know, last point I just want to make here is 
I think that I, I actually just had yesterday somebody come back to me and email and say, hey, I talked to you nine months ago and you said we were too small to work together. I've been investing in traffic. I think we're at that point now. I'd love to work with you. And I think that's what is a, builds long-term relationships is just being honest with people, right? Mm-hmm. And saying, we're not going to be able to help you. You're not going to get a return on this. Let's chat when you grow. And it's you're right, though. It's not what they want to hear in most cases. But they do remember that and and they do understand in the long term and they come back. And yep. that reputation, you know, and it's why we do a podcast together. I know it's the same for you, but that reputation makes makes a big difference. And it's why we do it as opposed to, you know, the good and, and logical wisdom could both be a lot bigger if we just took everyone's money. But it's mm-hmm. not sustainable and it's not how we do business. So I, I do no. agree. Get Get multiple, talk to multiple agencies. Talk to multiple providers and find the ones that that are going to be a good fit and not just blow smoke the entire time, right? Yeah, and that is it's honestly one of the sweetest conversations when somebody comes back nine months yeah. later, yeah, and says, "Oh, I didn't waste my money. Mm-hmm. I did it the right way, and now I'm coming back because I'm at the size that yep. makes sense." I'm like, "Yes, yeah." Somebody listened, and they didn't take like somebody stealing your money, and telling you it was going to be rainbows and unicorns. That is the best free advice that I love to give. It's quite on. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'm going to give you free advice because I know you you can't afford to work with us anyways. And I want to see you succeed and, and you'll remember that. So I know that's why you do it too. So, yep. Awesome. Fun. Well, thank you, Ryan. This was great. I appreciate yeah, your you, uh, insights on this and um, have a wonderful new year. We'll, we'll talk soon. We will. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. Keep up to date with new episodes. You can subscribe at driveandconvert.com.